Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 525. I am back from the very first sailing of Royal Caribbean's Icon of the Seas, and today I've got a full review of what my cruise was like, what really stood out, and what you should know about going on Icon of the Seas. Here we go. One of the downsides, I guess, of covering Royal Caribbean as in-depth as we do here at Royal Caribbean Blog is I feel like sometimes it takes the excitement and surprise out of the air. There's pros and cons to everything in life. And while I absolutely still love going on a cruise, and I really got excited for Icon in the last couple of days leading up to it, you know, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect with Icon. I mean, I had been living and breathing Icon of the Seas, you know, certainly for the last year plus, ever since Royal Caribbean announced the details in October of 2022, you know, I was really in line with everything that they were announcing. So I knew about so many of the features and things that were there. So when it came time to actually go on Icon, I wasn't sure what to expect. When I got on the cruise, I think my initial reaction, especially after the first couple of days, was the sum of the parts of the experience really added up quickly. And I became really impressed by Icon. Like I knew about so many of the things, whether it was dueling pianos, the new wider promenade, Pearl Cafe, Surfside, Thrill Island. Like I knew about all these features and there was nothing that like I got on board and I was like, wow, I can't believe they put it on here. But seeing them all together in tandem, it really created a cruise experience that by the end of the sailing, when it was time to get off the ship and I was thinking, oh, what's my next cruise? So I don't get you know too depressed about getting off a cruise. I thought, oh, it's a lure this season. I thought, oh. God, they're not going to have destination elevators. It's not going to have, you know, a two-story promenade. It's not going to have dueling pianos. It's not going to have Pier 7. Like, there's just... Individually, it might not be something necessarily you write home about, but together, man, I'm going to miss those features on my next cruise. But I digress. Let's talk about Icon and really, you know, how the design of the ship, how open it is, how well the ship flows truly stood out. You know, Royal made it very apparent when you're trying to get between the different decks, they wanted to make it easy. Between decks four and seven, it is really easy to get between the decks without having to go all the way to the end of the deck to hit up a elevator or a staircase. There are stairs and escalators in between, and that really makes it a whole lot easier. Number two, the destination elevators are probably the best thing Royal Caribbean has come up with in a long, long time. I'm not willing to say it's, a, it's mission accomplished yet, but they have, at least on our sailings, solved the elevator crowding issues. Truly, it was, it was so impressive. I knew it was gonna be an improvement. I wasn't prepared for how well the destination elevators work. Unlike regular elevator, once you you know hit the button and wait for the elevator to come, here you go to a panel, tell it what floor you wanna to go to, and it tells you to wait at a certain elevator. And then when you get there, there's going to be, you know, the elevator's obviously on its way. Maybe you're the first stop, maybe you're the third stop, but there's only about, you know, three or so stops uh, for every ride and it really made it quick and even in you know situations where you usually have a really bad elevator weight like when a show gets out it was handling it extremely well for this particular cruise i was staying in an infinite grand suite which is a uh, suite obviously something there's a couple things about this number one is the entry level so it's the basic first full suite that includes sky class benefits it is an infinite balcony and as i mentioned in the preview my wife was supposed to come with me on the sailing but she was unable to do so so i was solo in the cabin suffice to say there was plenty of space in the cabin for just me. I mean, when you're staying in a suite, heck, for two people, there's enough space. But for one person, it's it's definitely overkill for what we needed. For me, the biggest thing here was evaluating the infinite balcony. I had been on Celebrity Cruises last November, 
and we stayed in an infinite veranda, as they call it, and I didn't love it. I thought it was just a window. Uh, on Royal Caribbean, it's still just a window. I'm not the world's biggest fan, given the choice. I'd much rather have a traditional balcony. Um, that being said, it was really nice having the extra living space. When you stay in the infant veranda, the balcony area, if you will, is incorporated into your living space. So when the when the windows close, essentially, you still can use that balcony space, which is nice. It really adds a lot more room to to enjoy. And essentially, you, know, you get more chairs. There's a there was a great. Uh, it's not a lounger, but it was a. You know, it was like a. Best way I can describe it is like a chair you'd have like on your patio, um, and you could like recline it a little bit. It was very comfortable, and I liked having that as well. In addition to, of course, the living room area of the grand suite. In addition to the other seating areas, and of course, the bed. Um, lots of space. So I do like the living space an infant veranda gives you because I spend very little time on a balcony otherwise. But I much prefer the fresh air that you get from a balcony, being able to be out there. Um, with the window open, you're only getting the air coming through that window, and it's just not quite the same thing. Especially, you know, I was there by myself. If, even if it was just me and my wife, it would not be as quite the same experience. So um, I'm not telling you you shouldn't book an infant balcony by any means, but it's not... It's not the same experience. Let's, let's put it that way. So I think uh, going forward, I will probably not book that type of cabin. Although I'm pretty sure I did book that exact cabin for when we go in Thanksgiving in next year. Um, I wanted to, we're going to do two different rooms. And I thought for two of us, it'd be okay, especially given the price. But anyway, I digress. I don't want to get too much into uh, this particular cabin. I really want to talk about what really Icon is about. When that's the ship itself and the features, the amenities. The Royal Promenade, whether you're talking about Pearl Cafe, which is the replacement for Cafe Promenade, is truly incredible. They've done, I mean, the look, the open windows, the food upgrades, there's there's grab-and-go food, it's 24 hours, of course they have the coffees there. Really comfortable seating right by the window. Um, it it was, I, I really enjoyed this space quite a bit. The Promenade in general, I love the look of it. It's open, it's easy to walk around. I would, the, the two-story element to it is huge. Like, I mean, I, I can't understate how great it is, how much there is to do the Royal Promenade. I feel like on other Royal Caribbean ships, the Promenade primarily is a mechanism to get from point A to point B. I mean, obviously, there's things to do in every Royal Promenade, but you're on Icon, it was more of a destination. Um, the one thing I did have an issue with was the scheduling of entertainment. Essentially, Royal Caribbean staggered the entertainment. So, you know, when the pub singer was on, Boleros was off, and then vice versa. The problem was the pub singer, the scooter bar, we're closing down most nights at 10.45 p.m. Sometimes they would restart at like, I don't know, like 12.30, which is great, except by that point, I'm either asleep or in the casino at that. Uh, just, it's just too much of a break. You can't not have the pub singer and the scooter bar player there between the hours of, you know, 11 o'clock is prime time up there. I thought that was a big mistake. But other than the staggering of entertainment, the actual entertainment itself was really good. Dueling pianos, guys. I am not the world's biggest piano bar person out there. I love dueling pianos. I went there three or four times on the inaugural sailing. The issue with the dueling pianos is it's a time investment. You've got to get there. If you want to get a seat, you must get there at least 30 minutes ahead of time. Otherwise, you're not going to get a seat. And then I feel like once you're there, if you're there for 30 minutes already to get a chair, you're probably going to want to sit there for a while, right? It's not like the pub, I feel like, where you can you slip in and out a lot easier, but... The entertainers were fantastic. Uh, Tim and Sarah were the piano players on our cruise, and they really, really did a great job. A lot of energy, a lot of fun. They make it fun. It's not just, hey, you're two people playing the piano next to each other. 
Uh, it's 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 an entertainment factor, and I really enjoyed that quite a bit. That was a huge win. The other big huge win I really thought, and I wasn't expecting this, was Empire Supper Club. Um, I I never loved the Chef's Table. I didn't I didn't hate it either. It was like didn't like it, didn't love it, didn't hate it. Right? It was just like in the right in that middle ground. And on Icon Empire Supper Club, I feel like they fixed the three major problems I had with with Chef's Table. One is it's not awkward seating. At Chef's Table, you're seated in a table with strangers, and until like the first three drinks go down, it's just weird because you're sitting with strangers. Awkward conversation. Here in Empire Supper Club, you get your own table. Two, you're getting cocktails instead of wine. I don't mind wine. I like wine, but I much prefer cocktails. I think it's it's more of a crowd pleaser. Number three, the food I think is better at Empire Supper Club than it is at Chef's Table. It's less frou-frou at Empire Supper Club. It's still not like burgers and hot dogs, don't get me wrong. But it felt like every dish being served was truly something that you'd actually look forward to. Not like, well, my entree's coming up soon. I guess I can wait for that. It was really good stuff, and I I really liked it. Plus, on top of all that, you had the amazing entertainment. You had basically a pianist, a singer, and a, I think it's a celloist. I'm either a cello or um, a, actually it's a bass. Never mind, it's a bass. Um, anyway, the these three folks would play there throughout the evening. Um, you had the music that was themed to the food that you were being eaten, which the cocktail was also matching. I I will say this. It's $200 a person. That's not cheap. So 400 for two people. I will say that it is worth the money. I really believe that is worth the money. Um, not every cruise, not every day, but once, I think it's absolutely positively worth trying out. I was really blown away by that. The show is also truly incredible. I mean, we didn't, the Aqua show was not complete. And the ice skating show was Wizard of Oz was all the Wizard of Oz had a technical issue on day one. We couldn't see till day six. Anyway, my point of all this is to say the shows on Royal Caribbean have always been their strength. Entertainment has always been like their wheelhouse, right? And until you see Wizard of Oz on Icon of the Seas, you haven't seen a Royal Caribbean production show. It is amazing the level of production that's involved here. It's essentially a recreation of the movie. So it's a little more similar. It's not like a new age kind of like, you know, um, not like Hamilton or something like that, where it's, uh, you know, a new take on it. It's pretty much, it. There, there's a couple of changes, but otherwise it's closer to the original. And I really like what they did with it. I think the Aquadome might've been my favorite overall neighborhood. I think they've done a really interesting thing. Because again, I kind of assumed, oh, this is where the Aqua Theater is. But the Overlook is really a destination. First of all, I love how beautiful it is. Second of all, those pods are amazing to hang out with. They've got two great bars. There's just a regular Overlook bar. And then there's the Ryan Bean, which is coffee-infused cocktails. Really, really good. And in addition to that, it's kind of like a poor man's solarium. I mean, you're not going to go there in your in your bathing suit because there's no pool or anything. But if you miss that, like, on a sea day in the afternoon, being at the front of the ship in a glass-enclosed, climate-controlled environment to be able to read a book, this is probably your closest thing you're going to find on Icon because there is no traditional solarium on it. It's really nice. Then you have the Aquadome Marketplace, which is by far the best complimentary food restaurant on Icon of the Seas. It's a food hall. There's different stations for different cuisines. The Feta station is my favorite. It had Greek heroes and it had uh, souvlaki. Oh, it, it was fantastic. I really, really, the falafel, I loved it. I ate there a number of times. I could eat there the entire cruise and be happy. You've got to go to Aquadome Market at least once. I mean, just truly phenomenal. Uh, and then, of course, you have the Aqua Theater, which is going to have the Aqua Shows in there. Uh, it's just a beautiful space. I mean, you could just sit in the Aqua Dome 
and appreciate how pretty the area is. And that's usually a good sign of, of, of a fun area. And, and, and along the same line, Central Park, you know, Central Park is not a new concept. We've seen Central Park in the Oasis class ships. So maybe I had lower expectations for it, but I love the aesthetic of Central Park. I love how pretty it is. The changes here, putting Izumi and by far the best Izumi in the fleet by is now on Icon of the Seas. Upgrading Chops, putting in the bubble champagne window. Lose Jazz Club. Um, I, I think like, you know, every iteration Royal Caribbean always improves things. And if you think about Central Park, starting back on Oasis of the Seas and moving through every single ship now through Icon, man, oh man, it is really a great upgrade. I love what they've done here at Central Park. Um, it was just, it, I really appreciated just being able to be here. Um, I tried, I think I sampled every single food in Central Park, you know, at Izumi, because it's always about food. They got sushi tables, they have hibachi tables, they have the sushi window. And the sushi window actually reminds me of something that's probably one of the other knocks on Icon so far is one of the issues some people have brought up is that there's a number of new pay, extra pay venues that are not included in anything. As an example, Deserted, the milkshake bar, is not included in any drink package or diamond drinks or anything like that. Uh, the Izumi Sushi window is not included in the dining package. Charles Bar has a new food menu, which is great, but that's not included in any dining package. Uh, Base Camp, um, which is a new restaurant, eatery, grab-and-go, quick service over in Thrill Island. Most of the menu costs extra, and those items are not included in the dining package. And it was interesting, I was talking to Royal Caribbean executives about this. Nothing's changed yet, but they're certainly gonna evaluate the feedback from guests because it seems like a lot of people were surprised, to say the least, about that. And that is one of the things to consider, especially if you're gonna consider getting a dining package, is that you know there's only like three restaurants that are truly included in the dining package. Like when I say included, I mean like, you know, from start to finish is included meaning, you know, Chops, Giovanni's, and Hooked, right? At Hibachi, you're paying either a surcharge for the tables or you're paying, you're getting a stipend. Um, on the sushi side, Playmakers, you're getting a stipend. Base Camp, you're getting a stipend. And by the way, Base Camp, they need to change that stipend. Base Camp is fantastic. Uh, it's free for kids 12 and under, but for adults, it costs money. Anyway, the stipend is $20, just like Playmakers at Pier 7. The problem is, you cannot get $20. You can't get like an entree and an appetizer for $20. You're going to pay extra for it. So they need to like fix something over there. Basically increase the stipend. My suggestion there. Anyway, um, the, the point is I'm not, I had a dining package. I think I got my money's worth of the dining package, but it's something to consider if you are going to want to eat at some of these venues that are not included, do your research and figure out, you know, which are not included there. And a lot of people that I spoke to, not as a lot, but there were certainly all, uh, some that did not um, purchase the dining package. In fact, some canceled their dining package specifically because of those issues. So, you know, your mileage may vary, but you want to maybe think about that. Um, and, and truly the knocks on Icon were few and far between. And that's really what impressed me a lot about the ship as well. It's a new ship, first in its class. I expected more bugs than I ran into. I'm truly... They got a lot of it right off the bat. And I was really impressed by all of that. Um, they've they've done such a good job um, with, with the ship. The flow, crowd controls, the shows, the dining venues. Um, you know, aside from the pricing issues that we talked about, I still really enjoyed all those venues. And I think the food was really, really good. Um, now, I'm going back on Icon of the Season in June. And that'll be a great opportunity to compare and contrast the experience. 
um, because we didn't have as many kids on board because it is like January and like all the kids are in school. Um, but by the time we get to June, you're going to have way more kids on there. And I am curious to see how that all flows and how that all works. And kind of, you know, also there'll be more shows available. Um, the Aqua show was like, I don't know what percentage you want to call it complete, but it was like 80 or 90% complete at best. Wizard of Oz was ready, although it did have technical issues. I mentioned uh, the, the ice skating show was there and the ice skating show was great as usual. Uh, but we didn't see, I didn't see the second production show. There was no um, second Aqua show to see at all. And I think, I forget about the ice skating show, if they included that or not um, as, as part of there. But I digress. The point of this explanation here <laughs> is that there's going to be more to do, uh, you know, once we get on there in June and, and experience that. This is what I will say about Icon of the Seas going forward and whether or not you should go on Icon and what you can think about. Number one, yeah, the prices are way higher. If you know to go on Icon, especially here in 2024, you're going to pay significantly more money for an Icon cruise than pretty much any other Royal Green cruise ship that is sailing today. Um, it's it, it's just it is what it is. I mean, here's the thing: as a business, there's enough demand from the Royal Caribbean is seeing they don't need to lower prices, not anytime soon anyway. So if you're like, well, Matt, I'm seeing the prices this, I'm going to wait it out. That's totally fine. You're just going to be waiting like. I think you're going to be waiting a couple of years before the price really comes down or or other prices come up to match or however you want to look at the the, the world of economics today. I will simply say um, it, it, that that's the result of really good marketing. And I think also um, a lot of positive reviews off the bat, people really appreciating what what's there. So it's not going to be a cheap cruise. If you're looking for it to be that, you're, you're, going to, you're not going to find it. But so it's not cheap. Uh, number two, I think though it does deliver and it really gives you an amazing experience. Like, you know, again, all the little things, the, the thrill water park and having not just like, you know, two or three water slides, six water slides, having the hideaway adult only area, which doesn't have enough shade for my taste, but I think it's a way better view than any solarium has ever offered. The destination elevators, which reduce weights a lot with that. I mean, a lot of little things coming together to form a much better experience. I think it is worth it. I think it is an, a really incredible cruise experience. I can't wait to take my kids on there and experience it together. And I, and I get that the way that I cruise solo is different than with a family, but I was more impressed with Icon having sailed on her for the first revenue sailing than I thought I was ever going to be. I thought I was having a great time. I thought I was, I was going to like the ship. But I wasn't prepared for, you know, how much I was gonna like it. And I know some of you are thinking, Matt, is this your new favorite Royal Caribbean cruise ship? I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to make that distinction. I'm going on Allure of the Seas next and then Wonder of the Seas in March. And I wanna compare and contrast. And is this like, you know, will 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 I get on these ships and be like, hey, this is cool, but I really wish I was on icon? Because I don't want to necessarily be the guy who's like, oh, all the time the newest ship is my favorite. That hasn't traditionally been the case. But man, oh man, if this new shiny ship is not the case, I'd be really surprised because it is a just, I think Royal Caribbean has done so much to get so much of it right that I am, it, it has really blown me away by the experiences you find on Icon. And when you look at everything there together, I have really come away thinking that there's a lot of wins on board this ship. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to point out, and I think it's important to also talk about Surfside, so I know that Icon got a lot of attention for being, you know, family friendly, right? Royal Caribbean has positioned Icon of the Seas to be a, um, you know, the, the most family friendly ship they've had to date. 
and Railgrip has always been a family cruise line, but there's a lot of people out there. I see comments like, well, you know, it's all for the kids, it's all for the families. I'm not going to cruise on there. If you're one of these people, I'm going to advocate you take another look at it. Yeah, there is Surfside and that's for the kids and you probably won't go to Surfside, but you can really enjoy so many aspects of the of rest of the ship. You should not look at it as, you know, like a Disney Cruise Part 2 or just it's nothing but kids stuff all around. The kids stuff is largely relegated to Surfside. And then, of course, you know, Thrill Water Park is going to attract a certain level of kids there to begin with. It's water slides. Um, but I think, you know, other areas like the Promenade and Central Park and the Aquadome lean heavily into the adult experience or certainly no worse than you would find on an Oasis class cruise ship. Um, now, if your issue is you don't like big ships and you don't like the Oasis class, then that's not going to change your icon. You're not going to get any kind of a different feel there. I will just say that if you've ridden off Icon because you think it's a kiddie ship, I would recommend maybe giving it another look, maybe giving it another try, because I think that there's more than meets the eye when it comes to that family-friendly moniker. A lot of that, honestly, is marketing. They highlight that, they focus on that, because that's what they want to go for in terms of a marketing standpoint. But if you're not that market, that's okay too, because I think you can find plenty on board the ship to appreciate without that. Overall, I really like the Icon of the Seas. I love the Icon of the Seas. I want to go on it more. I Initially, I had booked the back-to-back -back on the inaugural, and then I canceled it, thinking that might be excessive. And it probably was. I was actually happy to go home. But that being said, I would have loved to have gone back on Icon sooner than June. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But I really think they've got something hot on their hands. You're like, you know, sometimes the hype factor can really get out of control. And I think to some extent, the hype factor definitely <laughs> went out there with Icon. But I will say, I re and again, maybe I'm sipping the Kool-Aid a little too much early here, but I really think they got it right with Icon. And I think they've, they've gotten so many good wins on this that when I go back on Icon, this is whatever that is, in June for the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise, you can join me for more details at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events, or perhaps another Icon sailing before that, you never know. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't wait. I mean, I'm really, truly, nothing else is more exciting to me than to get back on Icon of the Seas. All right, friends, I'm to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer the emails you've sent me. You can always send me your emails by saying to Matt, M-A-C-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Dave Very. Hi, Matt. Just wanted to thank you for the blog and website and your online question answer sessions. I learned a lot and I'm enjoying Royal Caribbean Cruising very much. I'd also like to give a shout out to Christine Sir and the staff at MEI Travel. Christine has booked two cruises for me, one on the Oasis and one on Independence. MEI has done a great job. They made a lot of money on both cruises. May you and your family enjoy. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate the email. Thank you so much for uh, the shout out to not only myself, but to uh, our friends over at MEI Travel. They are, of course, our travel agent sponsor here at RoyalGreenBlog.com. And I am so glad they took really good care of you. Next email is from Eric. Hey Matt, we're going on Icon of the Seas in April. We purchased the refresh and drink package. Do you pay full price for any alcoholic drink while on board if you have this package? And the answer is yes, you do. Most people ask, should I get the, if I get the non-alcoholic package, can I then just buy a shot and that save me money? It's really not going to save you much, if anything, and it's just going to waste a lot of time. So my advice to you is if you want alcohol, just pay for it individually. Uh, but no, if you have the uh, refreshing package, it's not like a discount on alcoholic drinks or anything like that. Next is an email from Rob. Hello, Matt Lovell. Your content going way back to your WW Today podcast with Mike Scope, Lentesta, etc. Before, back before you started a Royal Green blog. 
Target to find you again as we plan our first real green cruise. Anyway, my wife, two daughters, and I are heading out on Harmony of the Seas in March. We have two ocean balconies, one for the kids who are 20 and 17, and one for my wife and I. Purchase the three night, especially dinner uh, for my wife and I, but I only want the kids to join us one night at Wonderland, which looks like a lot of fun together. We will all enjoy it and get the most out of the interesting menu items. How do I book this since I can't book our dining packages, our plans rather, until we get on the ship, but I want to book the kids time and time to get the cheaper before the cruise price. Do I book the kids down and then add my wife and I when I board? Uh, that's a great question. I was going to say my initial instinct was, well, you just don't do anything wait till you get on board the ship and then add them for all of you. But if there is a pre-cruise discount available for Wonderland, then I would do exactly what you said there, Rob. I'd book the kids individually, assuming it will let you... Oh, they're not minors. Uh, you say kids, and I'm like thinking, you know, my kids. Your kids are 20 and 17. Yeah. Purchase individual reservations for a table for two for your kids, and then ask to add you guys to the existing reservation. I've done this many times. Do it on embarkation day. I don't think you'll have a problem at all. Next email is from Mike Bradley, just departed Mariner of the Seas today after a fantastic five-night cruise. I and several other cruisers were mystified by the fact the elevators would just sail by either going up and down even after the elevator summoning buttons were pushed. Truly puzzling. Any thoughts on this? It's kind of interesting I'm reading this email. Not intentionally, by the way. It just happened to work out. I'm reading this email after I just waxed poetically about the destination elevators on Icon. Essentially, the elevators have logic to them. And I believe what's happening, and I've been mystified as well by this, is you're on deck seven and you at the elevator. The thing is the computer's determined, oh, this elevator that's on deck 16 is gonna come and get you from up there. Meanwhile, there's an elevator coming up from deck four that's gonna sail past you, maybe empty, maybe with one person on it. And that elevator is gonna go by you because it's already pre-assigned a different elevator. Essentially, that's the logic, if you will, to it. But I don't know if that helps you or not. It's just, it is what it is. And that's how I've always kind of figured uh, that's how it works out. Anyway, long story short, um, try not to try not to understand how it works, but if you ever go on Icon, boy, it'd be a lot nicer. Next, we have an email from Julian. Hello, Matt. I enjoy watching your pot, watching your podcast and your YouTube page. My question is: Is there any ships that are good for family of four, two adults, and two kids? And of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> there are a lot. I mean, you kind of asked me like, "Hey, Matt, I want to buy a car. Are there any cars that are good for families in the?" you know, by, made by Ford or something like that. I mean, I think that's kind of along the same lines. Um, every roller coaster cruise ship is great for that. It's just a question of what you're looking for beyond that, because you asked a very, your question is very genuine. I'm not, please don't assume I'm trying to like, you know, make fun of your question by any means, but your question is far too vague and far too in unspecific to be able to give you a good answer to that one. It's kind of like saying, hey, I want to go, I'm gonna give you another analogy. It's like, hey, I want to go to New York City. You know, is there anything good to do for families? Well, yeah, but what do you want to do? What's interesting to you, right? Um, Royal Caribbean being a family cruise line, first and foremost, is why a family with two adults, two kids is a great choice. Second, it's really a matter of you figuring out where you want to sail, uh, which amenities on board the ship are important to you, and kind of going from there. It's a much longer conversation than that. But in short, I'm not going to sit here and just give you one specific ship to try. I generally, if someone's new to Royal Caribbean, they've like, never cruised before, and they're like, hey, I just want to try Royal Caribbean, two adults, two kids, what should I do? I generally lean towards the newer ships to just offer more, because a lot of times newer cruisers don't know what they're looking for. They'd be the first to admit, like, Matt, I'd love to, you know, pick out a ship and tell you I want X, Y, and Z, but I don't know what X, Y, and Z are. In that scenario, then I would say, okay, well, maybe pick out an Oasis or an Icon-class ship and go from there, um, you know, but there's probably a bigger conversation to have, including... I would say even more importantly, where do you want to sail to? The Caribbean, Alaska, Europe, Australia? That's going to narrow down your choices to begin with. 
Next, we have an email from Sean. Uh, hi, Matt. Thanks for all your insights into Royal Caribbean. I live in Australia, and I'm anxiously awaiting for the day when year-round cruising is provided by Royal Caribbean. Might happen one day. Anyway, I'm keen to understand the situation with Lulepa. Their Lulepa webpage hasn't changed for some time, and it appears as nothing is happening on this front. Do you have any info that you can share beyond what Royal Caribbean themselves have provided on their site? Sean, thanks for the email. So Sean is referring to what was supposed to be Royal Caribbean's next perfect day. I always mean perfect day at Lulepa which is an island in Vanuatu, which is in the South Pacific. And this was announced like right before the pandemic. And uh, Sean, you're not missing anything. There hasn't been anything else announced. The long of it, long story short, it's essentially paused. The project is not canceled, but literally nothing has changed beyond that. Royal Caribbean during the pandemic decided, well, first of all, they're gonna pause any major spending they were gonna do, which they did. And this was true of all things. Since then, Royal Caribbean has resumed spending in other places like Hideaway Beach, the Royal Beach Club in Nassau, you kind of get that. But other projects like Lalepa are basically on hold. And that's essentially what's happening there, Sean. Um, I don't have any other updates. I don't have any other timelines. I don't have anything beyond that Royal Caribbean has said somewhat recently, at least since the pandemic, that they still intend to do the project, but there's no, it's just paused essentially. So I wish I could give you a better answer or an answer to make you feel better, Sean, but that's essentially where things sit. And our last email is from Mike. Uh, it's been a few years since I've boarded a Royal Caribbean ship. And what I'm hearing is that you can now don't get your sea pass card until you get to your cabin. I have arguments against this, but that's not part of my question. What I was wondering is if you need your sea pass card in order for the mustard drill to count. I'm the type of person who will want to get that done ASAP. And I don't like the idea of walking past my mustard drill's location all the way to my cabin, then right back to the starting point. Mike, you can totally do that without your sea pass card. It's easier with the sea pass because all I have to do is scan it but you could totally just give me your room number and they can look you up in the system. So no worries whatsoever, Mike. You can totally do that and you're good to go. And that's gonna answer all of our questions for us today. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Until next time, I'm Matt and we'll talk again real soon.